Black people. Black history. How are you doing? I am good. I've been on the low. I've been trying to be very quiet and slow this year. Well, all the time, but this year, so intense. I traveled way too much last year. I enjoyed it. It was good times, but this year I'm going on sabbatical and underground for like four or five months. Good for you. You know your email responders are a model for you. I be trying to have vacation email responders like you. You, I always tell people. I say people cut and paste them and use them. People like do that a lot, like cut and paste (laughs) and put their names in and take stuff out. Like please, because you say. Trust in the divine timing of our connection. <laughs> Trust in the divine. I, that's the best way. The I, I just love it. It's my, that is one of the blackest ways to just say, you know, I get back yeah, to you. I get I'll get you. with you. It'll happen. It'll just like vibe with me, flow with me. Everybody wants everything immediately. And it's like, get to know me. Let's just vibe and it'll come, you know? It'll come. We'll connect. I think, I mean... We're gonna. We want to start this off because I know you have to be done at two thirty. Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna go quick because we can just. This one here is gonna talk and talk and talk and talk. So we're gonna have a little bit of structure okay. for once in our lives. Oh, welcome again to another episode of Black People Tell Black History. We are joined with the phenomenal Trisha Hersey and the essentially. I mean, you've been doing the the founder and the creator of the Nat Ministry, yeah. but absolutely the person that is lifting up all the foundational work that has been done to remind Black folks to go lay down somewhere yes. and to rest. So we we appreciate you and love you for that. Mm-hmm. And I promise not to make this a personal conversation for Erica Hart called. <laughs> How can Erica Hart lay down? Yeah, more? another, another <laughs> time. We'll do that another time for sure. We'll, we'll do that, that another time. time. We'll do that all night. <laughs> yeah. But we would love to start with you just introducing. Okay. For the, the small amount of people. Who okay. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people don't know. <laughs> My name is Trisha Hersey. I am founder of the Nat Ministry. Beyond that, I'm also an artist. I love to uplift. I'm an artist. I'm a community organizer. Since I was like 18 years old, I'm installation artist, performance artist, theologian, you know, so all of those things. But at the center of it all, I think I'm an artist and organizer. I just want to be in a community to help people see their humanity. So yeah, I'm really big on that through art, through my work, doing justice work and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's amazing. Where are you from? Chicago, South Side. Okay. <laughs> I knew that, but I'm like, you know, just rep one time. <laughs> Bury me on the south side. Yes, ma'am. I love it. So we'll get right into it. So you just wrote a book, Rest is yep. Resistance, a manifesto. I I kind of be, I don't be weaponizing in the home with Erica, but Erica is somebody who's a relationship, like most black yep. people, is very religious to rest. It's fraught. So is mine. I'm a little bit more with the movement of restless resistance. But, you know, there are some people in our community that our Black community have. It's very fraught oh, yeah. this idea. You say in the first sentence of, of the preface of the book, straight out the gate, you do some crucial level setting. Mm-hmm. I quote, you say, rest saved my life. I don't need anyone to verify this, nor do I need complicated theories 
to support what I know to be true in my heart. I think this is a direct affront to white supremacy's culture, insistence on making us prove ourselves, our experiences, etc., under the guise of rationalism, which you talk mm-hmm. about in the book as well. Why was this important study? As a person who's always wanted to write a book, and as a, a reader, you know, I've been, I love books. I love reading. I always knew I wanted to write a book my entire life since I've been like six years old. I like used to write, make books like with paper from my dad's oh. copy machine <laughs> and like fold wow. it, staple it and just make my own books and pass them out. So I always knew I wanted to write a book, but I always knew how important the first line of a book is. Out of all my favorite mm. books that I love, when I think about my favorite writers, Toni Morrison and Bell Hooks and specifically fiction books. You want that first line, the first paragraph as a person who's really into the craft of writing. I knew that that first line, when someone's browsing, they're going to pick it up. They don't know. They It needed to pull them in to be like, lay the groundwork for what this is about. Like it's not, it's really just going to be truth. It's going to be what my truth is and how it felt for me. And so I knew very early on when I was writing the manuscript that that would be the first line. I kind of, a lot of things changed in the book. Like we pull the back page from here and this moved here. And once you're writing a book, you kind of know how that is once you get into editing. But the first line, I knew I wanted to be that because I think it was important for me to ground that this work was not something that was made for the consumption of social media. The, the, the How I came to rest was not some... Thing I was trying to do as some blueprint to like share with others. It literally was just an experimentation with my body alone in my home, trying to save my life. And like most black women and black people in general, we when there's a problem, we, we attempt to solve it by pulling within the realms of our imagination and what's in our home, what's around us, what we can do now. And so I wanted that to be clear, that it wasn't just me creating this idea, sharing this work to be some trendy, quick fix. It was like, this is my story. This is the story of a Black woman who was exhausted. And this is what I came. This is the curiosity that came from that experimentation. And this is what I came with. It saved my life, period. Like, I don't have to, like, there's nothing else to say but that. So I knew that that needed to be the first line. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So I have been following your work for quite some time. And I think as your work, some parts of your work live on social media and people can interact with it. I do notice that you get pushback from people Mm -hmm. around rest. And a a big thing that I see a lot is how am I going to be able to do this when I got bills to pay, when I have a kid, when I have a house, what all of these things what is it that I could do to actually rest? People have said, are you suggesting that I just quit these things? It just literally yeah. becomes a part of a binary, yes. right? Rest or yes. work. Right? There's the only way that people see that. It's no, there's no nuance, yes. right? So can you provide the nuance that is obviously yes. there, the imagination right. that is required to rest in a white supremacist? Whenever, I, I was shocked by that. Like, you know, when I first started the work, I got that all the time. It was like constant, constant, constant. So the more I got into it, I was like, oh, I understand now. You know, of course people are in a binary. Of course there's no type of nuance because no one is trained that way in our culture. Think about it. The schools don't teach it. No one, the entire culture resides on this violent binary. It has to be this or that, this black or white, strict, no flexibility, no 
movement, no idea of experimentation. There's no room for experimentation. I got to just know now, you know, it's like, so it really was like, oh, wow. That's why um, imagination is so important for the work and why actually the book in the book, that's one of the chapters. So I really broke the book down in these four parts, these four like kind of movements. And, and one, one of them that's my favorite part is imagine that Bell Hooks taught us this, that imagination is the greatest tool of those who are oppressed, that this idea of you, what imagination can do for us, that also at the same time, love. So imagination and love, how these two things, and I'm just saying to people like, take a deep breath. It just shows the dysregulation of our nervous system, how just hearing that poverty is on us at all times, just hearing someone say, go lay down bothers them because it's like, well, what do you mean? I'm going to be homeless if I lay down. You know, I'll be at the shelter tonight. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not making light of that because that is real talk. Like in a culture like this, yes. that is real. We're like all one paycheck away from being in the shelter. We're Yes, yeah. we're always like trying to make a way. My, I watched my parents my entire life rob Peter to pay Paul, make this way, make a way, yeah. like lights off this week, tomorrow they back. Oh, you know, like always trying to move yeah. money and make things happen. So it's a reality. Poverty trauma is real. And so I have to have lots of mercy and grace. And I just tell people, have grace with yourself. I, How could I, as a black woman in a culture like this, tell you not to work? How could I not work? You know, like, what do you mean? Be like, I have bills. I have children. I have um, all these things. So it, it really also shows a lot of the white supremacy, because I feel like if a white person was telling them this, they wouldn't fuss with them, right? Yeah. Anchor totally had a whole book said, y'all need to go lay down. Anchor totally said, go lay down. Like, this is what we need to be doing. It's revolutionary. Yeah. Nobody mm -hmm. would be trying to like push me on it. No one would be trying to be like, what do you mean? What else is the opposite? What can we do? Like capitalism, what's, what else can we do instead of capitalism? Nobody would be questioning. They would literally just be like, <laughs> The white man said, lay down, let me go figure it out. But because a black woman is saying, no, listen to your body, protect your body, see your body as a divine place, find ways to reimagine what rest can be. Then it was like an issue. And so, yeah, I really just try to have grace with people. And I try to, in the book, I really try to lay out a framework for that. This is a lifelong work that's going to be happening for the rest of your life. You're not going to get it right immediately. That reimagination and subversive ways are really what our ancestors taught us. And if we don't tap into that history, so so good that we're talking about black history, and we don't tap into the history of what our ancestors laid for us as a blueprint, then we're gonna be lost. So our ancestors laid a blueprint for how this could work. And so people really have to tap into that. Yeah. And you go ahead. No, 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 no. I was actually just thinking, like, what is the black history of mm -hmm. rest? Like, or the lack thereof. Well, I think yeah. about the work from can't see to can't see. Yeah. And I, I think the way that we talk about even chattel slavery is constant labor, right? Yeah. Like, when did our ancestors lay down, right? And now there's images of Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and uh, a few other folks resting, yes. right? We have those images, but those images were like, oh, whoa, like, yeah, they... Also, did they also danced and they also were maroons and left plantations and went away. And they also were like Harriet Tubman, who I love the story of Harriet Tubman, like following the stars and her way to freedom was watching the Big Dipper and the idea of her, um, following the stars. And she never was caught. She stopped along the way to pray to stop your, when mm. dogs are on your butt. Like, I just can't get that out of my head. Like these people mm. had a bounty on her head and she said, no. 
I need to stop and get a word. I need to meditate. I need to hear. I need to listen. I need to pray so I can know which way to go. Do I go left or the water? Do I go right? Do I follow the stars? Where is the creator leading me? And to me, that's rest. That's a moment to slow down and to connect with your body and mind. So the idea of reimagining rest is important. That's why when I, when it was called the nap ministry, people also couldn't go there with me. They was like, well, I don't like to nap. I'm like, okay, babe, like, it's okay. <laughs> no, that was me. I'm sorry. I broke that, I broke that comment. I'm sorry. I broke it. You know, resting is anything that connects your body and mind. You can take long walks. I talk in my book about ballet, taking ballet classes and being a dancer and how ballet really mm. felt like the most deepest part of rest that I could imagine. Meditation, my grandmother resting her eyes in between her jobs, you know, she worked two jobs in between. She had a uniform on and she's on the couch getting that 30 minutes to an hour of meditation. Mm-hmm. That's rest, too. And so it, I want us to just expand. And, and what this culture has done to us is just stolen our imagination, stolen our ability to get off the yeah. binary, stolen the idea of experimentation mm-hmm. and expansion. There's more than one way, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so deep what you said. And even in the book, I mean. In the book, you actually very early on, like you debunk pretty much all people's common misconceptions about yeah. rest. You kind of go straight into this narrative of laziness and subverting that and how ridiculous mm-hmm. and intentional white people and white slave owners had to be to mm-hmm. create a, a, a false narrative that the people who literally provided, whose labor provided the economic infrastructure for a whole entire country that they would be right how. You like you go straight into yeah. This is reclaiming your body from capitalism. That's what yes. you say. Is y'all ready for that? So I just think you mentioned your ancestors and your your grandmother, and also I think you also mentioned another ancestor mm-hmm. of yours had her pistol in her apron, yeah. the rest of her eyes with her pistol, ready for whatever is to come. So I think people get it twisted with rest, where it's like if I, you know, was saw Harry Tubman or Queen Nanny or anybody else going to create a maroon community, I'm signing up so that I could go to sleep. <laughs> I'm literally going to, because the promise, I get to rest and be mm-hmm. oh, That's all you need yes. to tell me but for me to be intimate is that I get to You got off. your backpack, you go. <laughs> I'm going. So can you talk more about that? Just like your ancestors and you, the, like you said, the shocking, it's like we're not even, we're so desensitized to what happens to black people where it's like yeah yeah rest is like low on the spectrum of needs oh oh, yeah yeah, i think i know my aunt aura that's the one who was resting her eyes on the couch roadie is her mother my great-grandmother who had 18 children on a farm in vicksburg mississippi and my grandmother, my mother would always say, well, yeah, when I went to grandma's house, she always had an apron on cooking for us, but she always had a little pistol in her apron pocket. And, and I'm like, why? And she was like, well, she always would tell us I, I had it there to creatively solve any problems from the KKK. So she was always waiting for them to come on her land. She has 18 children. Most of them were boys. Like they're going to the lynchings and all the things. So she was always ready. This idea of I have to creatively solve a problem. You know, how do I? one of the ways is I may have to shoot someone and so I just love that story and I love my grandmother thinking about the idea when I said are you sleeping what are you doing like what's up and she's like I'm not sleep every shut eye is not sleep I'm resting my eyes I'm listening sometimes she would say I'm listening to God sometimes she would just say I'm listening 
many times she would say, I'm listening to the universe. And I wonder this listening, what was happening telepathically, you know, spiritually in her body that she was getting these downloads because I believe slowing down and resting in silence is not just this frivolous thing. It is a literal portal to a, a, um, a download. It is a spiritual space that all of the ideas for the nap ministry, all of the, my imaginations, when I began to rest, I, I was like flooded with dreams. I was flooded with downloads. I was flooded with all of these ideas that allowed me to really birth this work. And so I tell people even 10 minutes of resting, 10 minutes of closing your eyes, 10 minutes of meditation, slowing down, having a little silence, getting offline, all of these things make up the building blocks. They're like these seeds that are in this like fertile soil that allow you to really tap into this divine body that we have. And because what the culture does is disconnects us from our body, they, make our, they yeah. like criminalize our bodies. They make our bodies feel like they're only machines and not worth anything that that real gag yeah. is to slow down and to tap in and to connect with it. And so I watch my grandmother do that. My mom would take a nap every day on, um, in her lazy boy. My dad got up early from his job instead of he had to get to work at six, but he would get up at four to read every newspaper. You know, every newspaper was delivered to our home. So he would read the paper yeah. every morning. I said, why do you get up so early? I'm like, you only got to be to work at six. You're, it's four o'clock and you're down in the kitchen drinking tea and reading. He's like, because I want to yeah. I want to have time to be human. He would say that. He was like, I want to have a moment before I clock in on this person's clock to be a human. I want to read. I want to pray. I want to listen. I want to be in silence and be human. And so what I think we don't understand is that the machine level pace of this world is making us to feel like human machines. And so the work yeah. is to help us to shed that and to become more human, to see us, we're not machines. We're like divine beings with this beautiful body that can allow us to tap into portals and spaces that we can't reach when we're awake. We can't reach when we're exhausted. Mm. Yes. I think, okay, sorry, I have to ask a personal question now because what I think about when I rest, yes. right? When I sit down to rest and my rest usually look like watching trash TV mm -hmm. or something. I love or even when if I'm gonna if I feel exhausted and I'm gonna lay down and attempt to take okay. a nap, it takes me a minute to sort through the notions that not just lazy, it's not what comes up, but like my dad of like you need to be doing X, Y, yep. and Z. On a sunny day, it is impossible for me to rest. It doesn't matter how tired mm -hmm. I am. When it's raining, I'm like, oh, okay, it gives rest. Let me cut right. up on the couch and sit here longer. But sunny day, I need to run errands. I should be writing. I should be doing blah, blah, blah. How do you work through yes. the thoughts and the, you know, in, in the inherited Probably. thoughts that come up for yeah. you that keep you from yep. resting, even when you try That's to? That's a good question. I mean... I think I started this experimentation with this rest. It'll be 10 years. It'll be 2013 is when I really just got to a point where I just, when I talk about in the book where I just was like, I'm done. Like I have to just, I'm leaping without a net, let the chips fall where they made. Like I was, it was unsustainable. I was having migraines. I haven't had a migraine since mm -hmm. I started this rest journey. I was having deep migraines. My health was kind of like a little shaky. I was just feeling like not within myself. I felt disembodied. And so I think what happened is I really started tuning into body work. I really started, when those moments come, I just let them come. 
or I'll take a bath or I'll do yoga or I'll stretch. I know you like yoga. I've seen you do um, yoga a lot. <laughs> so I know yoga is something that um, I really love. I actually would take walks with my son in a little stroller when he was little and just walk around mm. the block and just look at the trees. I did a lot of outdoor sky gazing. So I really tried to take the pressure off of myself that you have to stop and you have to go put a pillow on your head, pull a blanket up, close the door, kick back out, yeah. kick everybody out the room. And that's not, that's yeah. no, that's not, I don't think that that's going to, I would love it when that can happen, but I don't think that's going to be the model for most black people, specifically um, black people who are parenting and who have multiple jobs. It's just not going to happen. So what I love and what makes me excited about the rest on movement is the reimagination, the imagination part, the part of seeing how could rest fit in my life? How do I slow down enough so that my body and mind can connect, that there's a deep breath moment? Mm. Like To me, that's what resting mm. is. It's not. It's just a moment where you slow down enough where your body, it's body-mind connections, it's somatics. You start to get in the somatics of it. When I was doing ballet classes and the focus that I had to have to do a turn, to complete a turn, and we had to stare at the wall, and the focus that you had to have in your mind to complete a turn settled my nervous system down enough that I felt like I was open. My body felt more open. And so I think we really got to lean into grace and lean into what can we imagine our worlds to look like? What can rest look like imagining our world? Silence. I love silence. You know, like being in the black church, you know, I always used to think, we're going to have a moment of silence and someone will start playing the piano. It's like, that's not silence. You know, (laughs) know, like silence is a sound. Like you really, silence is just, I stare out this this window a lot. This is my writing room. So Mm -hmm. I write, all of my book was written here. I do a lot of writing. There's beautiful trees. I stare out the trees, at the trees a lot. I look at the sky so much. I, really mm-hmm. sleep with my cat a lot. I, sh- I stare and watch my cat because I feel human when I have a moment to imagine and breathe and not be on someone's clock and I can just be. This idea of just being, mm-hmm. sitting on the porch. I'm a porch sitter. You know, I love a porch moment. Mm-hmm. So though mm-hmm. I think I would offer that to you, Erica, is that you begin to see it as a place of refuge and a foundation so that you're able to carry on for the other tasks you have to do, that you see it as something that holds you. It's not against you. It's really something that's going to be like, oh, this can hold me if I spend 15 minutes with my phone down, with my phone off. And I just sit here and I just kind of imagine if I kind of breathe, I I listen to music. I really love music. I think a lot of the soundscapes that we create for the nap ministry are beautiful. There's always music at our rest events. We always love sound and things like that. I really feel like black people have to tap into what it means to imagine. Think about our ancestors telling them you're not free. (laughs) Like, oh, really? Watch this, you know, and they jumped on that underground. You can say what you want, but I know. And so that's where I get yeah. into that moment of like, no, I'm going to do me and I'm going to find a way that works for my life. So, yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you. It's so like Thank what you're you. saying is like resistance is not possible without. Right. Us. It's mm-hmm. like it's not that's not or imagination or imagination. Mm-hmm. It, it resistance. Yo, res- that's all a part yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And I just was thinking you mentioned what you said about your dad is so beautiful and so poignant. Yeah. Often we think about our parents and the work that they did, but I don't know if we ever think about how that, you like you call it, a dreamscape. Did they have that? Mm-hmm. Of course they did. That's how they was able to 
provide and persist. I know Erica's godmom. It's a weird, random memory. When she was working, she, she would tell us, yeah, I, I get up at 5 a.m. and I take a bath every day. And, she, and I'm like, why is Aunt taking a bath That's what we said every day in the morning. Every day. That was her rest moment. That's yeah, baths are definitely yeah. part of the rest movement. Yeah, the bath, the, yeah. The, probably the ritual of running the water, setting all her things out that yes. she likes to use, her oils and stuff. Yeah, yes. mm-hmm. yeah, beautiful. Yes. And just taking that so so for granted. Yeah. My next question to you is: I think it has to be the last. Question. I think it might be the last question. <laughs> I think an important question that we're asking uh-huh. folks is how your politic has evolved because there's a lot of assumptions about people who do um, resistance work that we just are born with our fist in the air and (laughs) we don't navigate these things or nor are we harmed by them or engage with them at all. But like there, there's growth within our own politic. So we're curious, like how has your politic evolved? What did, you know, you're only 21 years old, but what did Trisha Hersey, what did he, what did Trisha Hersey give when they were 15? Right? Like what was the relationship to rest or even just blackness? blackness, Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think I've really had to dig in and really like kind of be, a trailblazer in my own life around the idea of like, no, everybody got to be free. You know, it's not, if, if no one is free until I'm free. And I really lately have been really leaning into the disability justice piece. Of course, my work has disability justice in it. I talk about ableism all the time. I think immediately when I started putting the work out, like in 2016, 17, when I finally just put it up online, I didn't explicitly say that this movement was really rooted in disability justice. I just assumed that I'm saying that you have a body, that capitalism is robbing our bodies and capitalism (laughs) wants our bodies to be machines. It wants Mm -hmm. it working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, becoming a tool for its Mm -hmm. production. And I would always say that our bodies belong to us and we don't belong to the machine. And if your body can't do that, then who are, who do you look, what does capitalism see you as? What do they see a black body as? What do they see a body that can't do all the things that it wants to do? And so I think the disability justice piece has been something that's been evolving deeply in my work from the beginning as I want to uplift it even more to be very explicit to the fact that capitalism wants us all dead, you know? And so literally, I remember that when my father passed and like he died and then like the next day his company had the job posting up and he had been working with them for 40 years. And it's just like, they don't care. And and how much more we can look towards those who have disabilities as being kind of a a North star for the work because their bodies can't function on the same pace. No one's body can function on the pace that this wants us. It's all unsustainable. All, but to yes. see someone who can't function even in a way to where they can work a nine to five, leave the home, drive, get to work, sit at a desk and be there all day. Yeah. Like all of those things really have been resonating with me more once the pandemic started and everyone started working from home. And I know people have been screaming about let's work from home. And the company's been like, nope, you can't work from home. Absolutely not. And now everybody works from home. And so I really yeah. want, I've been doing some research and interviewing some people in the disability justice community community wanting to add more of that to my writings and thinking about writing a little bit more about that being very explicit to the idea that 
patriarchy, ableism, white supremacy, capitalism, like all of the things that we know hold up this entire toxic system need to be illuminated. They need to be deeply illuminated. They need to be like the light needs to be, they need to be dragged out and the light needs to be placed immediately on it. And I think that evolution from our work of really uplifting that, that disability justice movement is really important for me. And I've been watching it happen. I really want to go deeper into that even now. That's amazing. Same. That's amazing. And same. Absolutely. Yeah. That's super, Absolutely. super important. That's super and important. Thank you for lifting that up. Yeah. And sharing that. Vulnerably, too. It was a vulnerable question. Yeah. Yeah. So important. Like, I, I feel like I talked about ableism in the book, The Rest of the Resistance, but I really yeah. could have went deeper into it because I could have talked about my mom's mental illness. You know, my mom's had schizophrenia my entire life, and it's been a disability mm. that has really rocked her world in my life. And watching a lot of mental illness in my family and watching my grandmother get sick and not being able to walk. Like a lot of things I could have deepened more into the book. And I know you're writing a book right now, honey. It's just trying to get it all down, trying to edit, trying to figure out where it goes. It is something that to be seen. Okay. And so, yeah, you, you wanna, I really want to think about if I'm writing more things in the future, really bringing people who are already doing the work into the work within that ministry and collaborating more. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Well, we know that you have to go. Gotta get that song. And mm-hmm. the one thing I want to say is that where can people, first of all, everybody go out right now, don't meet me there, beat me there, <laughs> to purchase Rest is Resistance. <laughs> right. It is a manifesto. It is a guide. And Trisha goes to great liberties to make it plain for you why this is important from yes. beginning to end in your personal life. In your professional life, rest is not the absence of work. In order for us to do this real work of liberation, it's going to require imagination. And she makes that quite plain yes. for all of us. There even is a deck of cards that we have in this house. I'm about to start sprinkling. We have several of them. I have several <laughs> deck of cards <laughs> that the NAP ministry has created. What you going to sprinkle them where? I'm going to sprinkle it all over the bed. All where you just get affirmations and reminders. <laughs> Of when you need to rest. <laughs> also, there, there's a Spotify sound of full of soundscapes yeah. to help aid that Trisha has on Spotify right now. Can yes. you tell folks how to find that, and we'll put all of that. Definitely, in the I think the first, I think the best place is IG because I have that link tree. And every, oh, okay. every all of the music is there. Every single podcast, all everything is there for. And then my website, thenapministry.com, is a way to kind of link on to some of my bio and my main page that talks a little bit about my history and my background. Absolutely. Amazing. We'll have all of that available for you all. Thank you so oh much, Trisha. This was amazing. Do Everybody, go lay down. It's time to go oh, lay down. Don't imagine. And I'm telling myself that. Thank you so I'm much. I'm going to go lay on the go couch. Lay down. Go, look out, go look outside at the trees. I am. It's, so, it's actually sunny. I'm going to go look outside. You said yeah. good. I'm going to go I look. And the last thing I say for y'all, don't be arguing with Trisha. Do y'all need to go argue. argue with Mr. Charlie. Do not argue Y'all could be Trisha. resting while y'all Trisha. argue. And if you're going to talk about nap, you're going to talk about rest, you need to cite your Please sis. cite me. Yeah. I want them. They, when sis. I tell you they all want to be the bishop so bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. They all want to be the bishop. So but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work. Cite me. And I love people to experiment with my work and imagine with it. Yes. But just cite the work and begin to evolve with it. And, and you know, get into the work. It's for the people. It's, it's the world's now. It's out there. And so 
yeah. I really want people to take it as something that they can experiment and learn from. And it's theirs. It's the people's. As a person who's an activist, I understand it was birthed and it's for the world to now take with. It'll keep evolving. It'll keep growing as we grow. This is such a new model in a lot of ways for yeah. people. And I want us to just deepen into it every day and just go slow with it. Amazing. It's groundbreaking. We love you, Trisha. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you, friends. Thank you. Don't rest. Y'all go by.